This is the Anything Goes with Jackson Neal podcast. Welcome back here for episode number 114. Today, I'm talking with Darren Bradbury about his brand new albums, Talking Dogs and Adam Bombs. But before we jump into that, I want to remind everyone this podcast is available on all of your favorite streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, all of those places. So make sure to subscribe and rate on your favorite platform. So Darren just released this brand new project this month. It is his first under his new contract with Anti Records. Uh, and it's one that is filled with a lot of humor, a lot of really funny lines. My personal favorite, the picture cried out, I swear I've been framed. Uh, Darren's just kind of a, an interesting and really funny guy. So in this conversation, we talk about the album and a whole lot of other things. Darren is just a really fun guy to talk to. Uh, we touch on a lot of different things, including even some politics stuff, uh, some stories he told me about growing up, uh, and all that good stuff. So here's my conversation with Darren Bradbury. So when did you start working on this latest album, Talking Dogs and Atom Bombs? I uh, started working on it about, well, we finished the record last December, and but I had written most of it the year prior to that, mm-hmm. and it's coming out in September. Yes, it's just a couple more days, just about a couple weeks away, about 11 days until I the know. release date. It's, it's coming up close. You excited for it? I am. I'm very excited for it. It'll be cool to be able to go around and see um, see um, the record in stores and such like that. That'll be that'll be kind of a trip. I've never had that experience before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that will be that will, will be pretty cool. I, the, the first question I have to ask about this record, of course, I think comes back to the name, uh, "Talking Dogs and Atom Bombs." Uh, why that spe- specific name? Well, um, they are. Why that name? Um, it seems uh, uh, a rightful juxtaposition between the two extremes of the album, which in one hand speaks of uh, basically sitting around one's house, uh, waiting for inspiration to strike, staring out the window, looking at your dog, uh, and then the other it of it being um, a... Um, touching upon sort of more of the um, um, existential threats of the record. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, um, but it just seemed a, like a good phrase that kind of balanced well together and, and came off the tongue and uh, rolled off the tongue, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I felt like it was, um, especially when I saw Henry's painting, the one on the cover, I was like, this should be the title of the album. Talking dogs and atom bombs. I mean, how can you not love that dog on the album cover? I mean, even if the even if the record is turds in the punch bowl, I'd buy it just for the uh, just for the painting on the front. Oh, that would make a pretty that's that's going to make a pretty cool vinyl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, that's the name. Okay, yeah, and I find that interesting. You said you know staring out the window, almost like looking for inspiration. What was the process like making this record? Was it a, was it a, was it a tough one? Was it a more difficult one? To write or record? Uh, to write. Um, no, they were all fun to write. Um, you know, when you don't really have any rules for writing them. I mean, 
I, I set out to sort of um, accurately paint a still life of sort of the life that I was living in my house and dealing with all sorts of, um, you know, you know what it's like to be home and depressed. I mean, this album's basically about being home and depressed um, and then trying to make light of it or trying to find the uh, lighter side of that, that sentiment. So it was kind of fun, and it was easy. There were no rules. When I got bored with writing a song, I just called it over. <laughs> and uh, but I felt like it, you know, I didn't really have that kind of pressure on. Uh, it was more to see if I could make these ideas that were in my head sort of work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have one thought that kind of uh, um, struck me, and I would see if I could follow it as far as I could down the, uh, down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and still feel like it was a song worth presenting. Well, these I certainly enjoyed listening to this record. Um, but this sense of humor, you kind of meant, you kind of touched on it right there. I guess how do how do you try to incorporate that into your music? Well, it's a lot. Well, I, I try to everything I make. I try to have it come back down to the thing where if you know me, you're like, oh, that makes sense. That's pretty pretty accurate reflection of Darren's personality. Um, so that's the barometer that I'm using most of the time. Um, is this something I would say? And, and every lyric on the album is something I would say and, and then, uh, did say. Um, sometimes the, you know, it's, it, I'm glad that you see it as a sense of humor because, you know, sometimes it's a bit dry and, and folks don't see it that way and they see it a little bit more um, uh, as more of a stark painting of, of uh, the human human experience. But, I think every song that I have is a song of hope and uh, a positive spin. And, uh, um, you know, laughter is, is sort of a, it's a rude emotion like crying. And I don't know, I'd much rather laugh than cry, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think both accomplish sort of the same emotional catharsis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both have that kind of release of, release of emotion to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's, you know, there's different kinds of laughter, and I try to go for that sort of gut laugh, not sort of the ha-ha fart joke laugh. Now, there's anything wrong with that. There's a certain art to that as well, but it's not really the art that I do, you know? <laughs> exactly. got to stick to what stick to what you do best. Um, so you have that kind of sense of humor, and you mentioned that this album is about, you know, kind of being home and being depressed, and I've seen that in a lot of things describing your music, is that kind of, that kind of balance of almost humor with that, uh, there's some of those personal battles you've dealt with. How do you try to, I guess, mix and blend both of them into your into your artistic uh, expression? Well, I don't attempt to. I mean, I've said this before, and the reason I repeated is that it's sort of repeated is that it's sort of accurate. Is most of the time writing for me, I'm not a very good piano player, but I, I sit at the piano and um, I, I hit out some basic chords in a and a key that most people know, and I just start talking to myself until I accidentally make myself laugh or f- stumble upon a thought that kind of interests me. It's sort of like a melodic typewriter. And I literally talk myself into these songs. I don't I don't really ever write them down. I don't ever... Um, but I guess it's sort of trying to deceive the brain. If you can make yourself laugh and catch yourself off guard, then maybe there's something worth... Uh, worth saying there so it's not an attempt to blend and and it's more like um you know to to me it's like uh it's uh all my songs are normal songs they're just the things that i think about and i try to just put the things that i think about 
on a record. So it's uh, it's it's not an attempt to blend, but I, it may be an attempt to um, um, cover the tracks of a deeper depression. <laughs> but um, it's it's really a it's a process of um, of guessing and um, kind of letting yourself say something that. And then seeing, you know, and you have you have a thought or an idea, or you know, and I write chronologically. I don't ever like write um, backwards. You know, I don't say like, oh, this is the this is the third verse. How am I going to find my way to it? At least not on this album. So every line kind of is followed by the next logical conclusion of a line until I get to the end of the thought. Um, and most of the time. Like entropy, like once you set something in motion, the the movement is there, you know, and and the logical, the next logical thing to say, it gets more effortless as the as as you write it because you're sort of um, you can see it metaphorically as like a whittling process or a or an unwrapping, mm-hmm. you know, and it just gets easier. Mm-hmm. So they kind of they write themselves, I guess, because um, I'm. Um, it's, it's kind of like mine. I don't know. Does that make sense? I, I never know of anything that makes any, any fucking sense. <laughs> no, um, I, I think it makes com- it makes complete sense. Makes complete sense. Uh, what it almost is making me think of is almost like you have a, this kind of self conversation, uh, this conversation talking to yourself, and it's like okay. That's a great way of putting it. I'm surprised I didn't. I should have thought of that. That's a great <laughs> way of putting it. I got to write that down to to my publicist. Yeah, it's, it, whole album's a conversation with myself on why I'm such a sad fucking bastard. <laughs> Part of me is like, "Hey, cheer the fuck up," and the other part of me is like, "Nah, I'd rather just sit here and eat Jimmy John's." Hey, that, that's not that uh, bad. Taco Bell. <laughs> Both of those are pretty good options, I say. And binge watch down YouTube rabbit holes of conspiracy theories. Oh, those sometimes get uh, you. I love them. I mean, I'm not a believer in any of them, but God, they're just like modern day mythology. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's fascinating what comes up, what people come up with. <laughs> You know, exactly. It's like I don't believe. Yeah, uh, I don't believe in any of them. But the the way the connections the people make are, are pretty impressive. Sometimes it's like I never would have thought. Oh, of and it. they're so entertaining. It's like a whole new form of entertainment. Like what wacky shit is coming out of some dude's brain in Albuquerque? <laughs> yeah, you know. And like they're taking it seriously, but most of the audience is just there to kind of like wonder what the hell is going on. Well, I mean, I almost I wish I wish I could. I wish I could believe that it's all the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I really do. I think that would be so fun. If, it, if it, I'm in show business, I'll call you and let you know. <laughs> Pardon me. This is my first record, and three records from now, I will call you and say, man, check it out. It's all true. Oh, it really is? The, all the tri- lizard people. The triangles, the lizards, all of it? Yeah, no, I, I wish, man. But, you know, I think that we're just a bunch of sad apes uh, who have too much time on our hands because we've conquered a planet. <laughs> um <laughs> I've always thought, you know, my lately I was trying to write down some thoughts, and um, one of the thoughts that I keep having is what that magic moment must have been like when we when we were all back when we were all like apes in the in somewhere on the, you know, uh, you know, in in Africa or wherever the heck you know where there were it was you know where monkeys and trees and then there was these lions and then like the idea that like. We were social creatures, and then, um, like, I imagine that, like, one day this monkey had, like, a friend, 
and they were they were hopping around the tree together. They were like, "Oh man, this rules! This is great! Oh man, isn't it cool that we just like take shit off each other and eat cherries? You know, eat these little like you know fig fruits or whatever." And then one day, one of those monkey, that monkey that was his friend, gets massacred by a lion. Dude goes looking for his friend, can't find his friend, finds his fr- friend dead, having been mauled by a lion. And in that moment. <clears throat> He must have seen himself and then therefore seen the outcome and then bands together and then sees like rocks, right? Mm -hmm. I imagine this. And he starts picking up rocks and starts hurling out at a tree in anger. And then it dawns on him. It's like, fuck, I can throw this rock. So he goes up, this tree, says, when these lions come around, y'all, let's pick up these rocks and throw it at the lions. And the rest is history. That's how that's that's how I think it all it all began. That makes sense to me. And I think that it, uh, maybe I mean I don't know if it was how I, I've put I've said that more eloquently before, but um, but I think that um, as a species we're a relatively simple simple uh, creature. Mm-hmm. Um, we have these um, superficial complex emotions, but uh, and we've been fortunate or unfortunate enough to have all this time on our hands with all this excess crap that we don't need um, to think about those complex existential emotions. When really, I mean, I think it's pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is it, you know? Eat fuck shit. <laughs> Some basics of life, ain't it? Yes, I think those are the three pillars. I think I could write, write a book about that, probably. I don't know if that title would get published, though. I think, man, anything as because that is your podcast. Anything goes these days, man. They got politicians cursing everywhere, left and right. It's a whole new world for um, for uh, for language, for uh, expletive language. I wonder what George Carlin would have thought of it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, president dropping f bombs and shit. This really is a golden age for uh, the curse words. Yeah, lang- but what we've done to language, I mean, emojis, man, those are the worst things. We've but, just we've just truncated language into these just, ugh, and I'm not doing the best today. At a, you know, it's late in the day. I'm, I'm, I don't, I do much better at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but, you know, what we've done to language in the last 10 or 15 years is just a catastrophe. People used to speak so eloquently. They used to speak with uh, poise and uh, thoughtfulness and now we just everything's you know I mean really you could probably read an entire book where where the width is just a W slash and you wouldn't think twice about it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that's messed up though you know but it is the progression of language I don't know anyway next question well, I think I, if I could add one thing onto that, I think it's like almost like you, everything's like a tweet. Can you fit it into those that limited number of characters? And you just start dropping yeah. letters, dropping words, and replacing with emojis and everything. Oh, it's just horrible. I had a flip phone for a while, um, and then my when I got the record contract, my manager made me get an iPhone. And I, I came to an age uh, of T9 and 32. So, I mean, we would spend afternoons writing poetry with our thumbs on flip phones to one another and to to girlfriends and to friends and you could write a whole son you know sauna with just your thumb mm-hmm. 
And not like the way this is, you know, where you had to press all the numbers to get the letters. Do you know how old are you? I, I'm I'm just in college right now, so I'm I'm mostly oh, you're in college. Yeah, you don't even remember T9. Yeah, I'm old. You probably I, downloaded the Snake app. I used to, I used to have a flip phone though. I used to kind of remember pressing the numbers and stuff though. Oh man, yeah. I, I the best thing I ever did was um um was to go back to using a flip phone. It was a beautiful thing. I highly recommend that any anybody uh, in this day and age take just just take three months. Ditch off a smartphone. Uh, learn what it was like to just communicate. And now I don't really even use my phone nearly as much, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because these these technocratic overlords have uh, have us on lockdown with what we're viewing and listening to and speaking about. And, you know, we're all glued to this device that's in the palm of our hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you, have you ever... I'm sure that you're using tired of hearing old people bitch about that but oh no but if you've ever checked out on your iphone you can set those screen like time limits up i've noticed that really really helps me like stop like from spending like an hour just scrolling through twitter or something like that and wasting time man i only the only social media app i have is instagram and i make myself have to physically log into both those two things because they're sneaky They, they make those um like whatever Safari version of Twitter and Facebook, really difficult to navigate. So you'll download the app, mm-hmm. but if you've got the willpower, it keeps you off there because you're like, "Man, this sucks to operate." Yeah. And uh, but I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be someone in college right now. I mean, I mean, do you have an attention span? I'm not. I'm not trying to be rude. Oh no, no. I'm I like, can... what's that like? I mean, I, I, you know, you talk to people like in college right now or just, you know, around my age, and the attention span is so low. Everyone's texting 15 people at once. It, it's pretty bad, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, it's a horrible way to live, man. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, we would just, um, I mean, we just got cell phones, and that was a fairly dangerous thing. This was right after 9-11, which I can't believe was 18 years ago. Um, but... We'd like meet at diners and Shane smoke cigarettes and hang out at biker bars and drive to the top of mountains and we wouldn't be able to communicate with anybody but the people we were with, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh it was fantastic. It was fantastic then. I'm not even like um painting it with a nostalgia brush, you know? Mm-hmm. I think things have really gone to shit in the last um particularly the last couple of years. But uh Technologically speaking, the last ten years or so, I think it's it's a the whole thing's a whole thing's a, sh- a shit show. Yeah. And so, how do you feel about your future? My future? I, I feel yeah. I, I feel pretty good about my future. How do you feel about yours? I don't. I don't care. I'm old at this point. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> um, but um, uh, what, what do you? What do you? What, what's your intent? What do you? So you're in college. What are you studying? Media studies and production up here at uh, Temple University. Okay, okay, okay. Um, what got you into that? I just always liked it growing up. I always watched a Sports Center. Like I get up like super early before school and watch Sports Center. So I decided I want to be on TV one day or just do something with media. And ever since then, you know, just pursued it. That's really cool. Do you feel like uh, what would be your dream job? My dream job would be if I would could be a sportscaster, sportscaster, or even just doing this podcast. If I could, you know, get that full time, that'd be pretty, pretty cool. Just interviewing people, talking, talking about music and sports, anything. 
See music. What kind of music you dig? I try to listen to. I've tried to like broaden my horizons. Growing up, I mostly listened to like my parents had on you know some like older rock, I guess. But then I got into hip hop. But now I'm like you know listening to some more folk artists, listening to some more alternative everything now. You know, because I'm trying to trying to broaden my horizons. That's good. It's good to broaden your horizons. I'm not meaning to rag on you for being young. I think that it's a cool thing. I just I don't speak to enough young people. You know, uh, no, I don't know what they do. Yeah, no, what do you do with your time? Well. I usually try to, you know, do something productive like do a podcast or, you know, just I, – I read a lot of books compared to other people my age because I find that that's a lot better than just sitting around on Snapchat or something like that. So – but if most Explain people – Explain to me Snapchat. I'm, I'm Congrats on the books. I, I tried to understand it. I don't understand it. So the point, I don't get what the point is. The point is basically you just send like a video or a picture to somebody and it just disappears after they see it. Uh so the eradication of language, it's just, it's, just, it's the beginning steps of mental telepathy. It's what we were talking just about. Saying, <laughs> yeah, what we were talking I'm here about. right now. I didn't have to, I didn't know, no context, no pretext, just, just, this is my moment. Yes. I, you mentioned earlier, we're getting rid of language. Well, nowadays you just get Snapchats on your phone where it's, there's no typing, there's no words. It's just a video of something that they're seeing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it, it's got to go somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, it, you know, like, um, there will there will be high art that comes from this. And, I, and actually, inversely to sort of what I was saying before, I think that the digital age has been the greatest time for folk art. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's been a better example of folk art than Vine. You know what I mean? Like, art made by real people in real time. And I'm not talking about high art, but the art is supposed to be um, a representation of the human experience in a way that is palpable to others and um, um, and and is reacted to by others. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, all of this has been brilliant. You know what I mean? But it just turns out that what we like most is, you know, watching fail comps. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> But, I mean, there has to be something out of that. I mean, you know, something, you know, um, um, I, I have a hard time imagining that anyone could ever be nostalgic for where we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, try to put yourself 30 years from now. I mean, I mean and I, I'm undoubtedly wrong because somebody will be nostalgic over over this, mm-hmm. over what it was like for the... <clears throat> Snapchat generation, (laughs) but somebody will, and they'll, I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, you know, I've watched retro technology become sort of this, uh, almost like a boutique uh, type of experience, you know, where people, they want boom boxes and cassettes and, you know, flip phones, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I think it's all coming to this point where it's just like, um, so I think in like ten years it's all going to be in our minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just have these like mental networks. Uh, I don't know how it'll do that. I don't know if it'll be through. I mean, a couple months ago I was walking around some downtown in some city, and I realized that people willingly put willingly put earbuds into their ears and basically listen to whatever someone else tells them to all day long. Mm-hmm. And this is an acceptable thing with this illusion of choice. You know, 
you're being anything that's in your media, anything that's media consumption is some sort of narrative. It's yeah. some sort of um, version of persuasion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I can't be the only person that when I fall asleep watching The West Wing, I wake up the next morning with like Aaron Sorkin thoughts in my head, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my mind sort of like uh, uh, runs to the beat of the Aaron Sorkin uh, timing, mm-hmm. you know, anyhow, I'm probably going to be a least interesting podcast. I'm sorry, but they really give you the shit deal on this. Uh, no, no, no. I, this is this is actually really, really interesting. But I think something you mentioned there, like that whole illusion of choice and like the whole what good comes out of this. I think of the music industry and it's something I think about a lot um, with the whole age of streaming. It's it's awesome because you get to listen to all these different artists. But most of the time what ends up happening is everyone's listening to like the same 10 artists because they're on Spotify's top playlist or Apple Music's top playlist. So even though you think you have these limitless options, no one's really taking advantage of it. That's I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, I think, though, um, I'm one of the few. I mean, I, the reason I loathe Spotify is its algorithm. And the, exactly what you said, the prioritization, not because I, I don't care about what, who listens to me. I mean, a, a small group of people listen to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a niche artist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that same thing where uh, really I've always thought about it is, is that when I was growing up, the last thing you wanted to do was to be part of a trend. Mm-hmm. But we have these aggregated feeds that only bring us the most – viewed information that that floats to the top it and that's in spotify that's in the news it's in um movies and film and it's it's sort of a it takes a a step it takes a a personal choice to turn off from the algorithm and to decide what kind of music you want to listen to or what kind of content you want to um ingest, which I, once again, not very eloquently put, but it is slightly terrifying. Um, but you know what, you know, the, the, the same, on the same side of that, um, radio wasn't all that different mm-hmm. and people were paying lots of money in which to do that, to get their songs placed in the places that would get heard, which was through the radio. And there was the top 100 songs and, or the top 40 or the top 10. And most people, um, only listen to that. So it's it's not all that different. I just think that the aesthetic of it these days really drives me bonkers. Mm-hmm. And it's in its massness, and it's in, and it's. I don't know. I grew up in a time where um, I think you know my generation was like the generation that we got Facebook when we were in college and you had to have a college email address in order to access it. Mm-hmm. And I remember the internet as a free place. I remember the internet as just sort of, um, random chaos and expression through micro, you know, smaller networks and watching it transform into this just conglomerate of, um, targeted marketed ad bullshit. Um, it it almost makes you feel like you, um, 
you know, I, I think every level of my career has gone from one platform to another. I think, you know, I, I, I booked my first tour through MySpace when I was like, <laughs> like 19, you know, uh, and then switched over to Facebook and all the different platforms. And watching it just become this sort of, uh, remember having to explain to people, <laughs> you know, uh, how the internet worked. Um, not that I was ever an expert in it, but it's, uh, it's, it's gone out of wildly out of proportion. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's, that's my old man rant of, uh, damn you kids and get off my front lawn. Well, there's actually, there's actually a, a media terminology that from what you're describing, it's, um, that the internet has become a bunch of walled gardens, that there's all these different subsections that we think you can... Wow. Yeah, so that's actually a really, like, big media concept going around right now. So you hit on something pretty pretty uh, incredible there. Well, there we go. I mean, you know, it's just the thoughts, I think. It's got nothing, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't digest any of that shit. Um, <laughs> so walled gardens, so, like, well, I mean, <laughs> okay, th- that sounds like some... Um, that sounds like some uh, a nice way to paint, uh, you know, everybody's locked in their own room. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Where's the choice in that? Yeah. You it, know, is it, are, is it saying that people freely go from garden to garden? Because I, I, I find that hard to believe. No, it's, it's more describing how the fact that we think of the Internet as this giant uh, – Anything goes free place that you can kind of go to any part of it you want, but in reality, most people are just kind of in these little walled gardens. Like they go to Facebook.com, they go to Twitter.com, they go to Reddit, and they go to the, these yeah. these kind of same spots. And very rarely are we do we go out or do we are we really allowed to kind of go out of these different giant subsections? Um, I think the sad part is, of course, we're allowed to. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is that the, the whole, it's built on showing you more of what you've already been looking at. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean, for me, man, if you look through my YouTube history, you'd be very confused into what my political beliefs are, which I'm born and raised, tried and true Northeastern Democrat, but man, I'll go down any rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. I want to know what all the crazy people are thinking. I want to know why they're thinking it. So I, I subject myself to tons of media that I would be uh, embarrassed <laughs> to be seen watching. Mm-hmm. But at least then I can say that I've watched it and I understand where someone's – you know, I, I did that with Trump because, I mean, being from the Northeast, I mean, you know that Trump's been a joke since since we were kids. I mean, Trump's an idiot. You I, know? I, yeah, I grew up right around Atlantic City, so yes, I'm <laughs> – Yeah. Um, but, man, when that guy gives one of those freaking – uh, speeches. I watch the whole damn thing, and um, I don't just watch the the bits that have been uh, sold to me as what is the the part where he makes himself look like an idiot. Because mm-hmm. I want to know what the hell this guy's really saying. What is he really saying to these people out there? You know, mm-hmm. and and um, it's another thought I had recently, man. And I feel more confident in it now. You know. Um, with the Democrats pulling together somebody that'll really challenge this guy, I'm, I'm way into the Elizabeth Warren. I think she's rad, and I think every day she's kind of proving herself to be more of a just a true contender, uh, just in her thoughtfulness and her uh, compassion and her um, also just like just like 
badassness. You know what I mean? And 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 she has plans, and I, I'm I don't know, I'm in. But for a while, man, when you watch enough of those Trump rallies, they're um, it's Zeppelin 1970 or 1975, or it's an arena rock band, and this guy is about to release his second follow-up album to his smash hit. <laughs> And the crowd is loving it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, and it's terrifying, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, which I don't want to get too political. And I, I try, I try, I, I try not to, um, I think it's hard for my age bracket because it was like, <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I remember voting for Obama and being like, we fixed it. We fixed everything. It's it's done. <laughs> Everything's okay now after 9-11. We elected Barack Obama twice. Um, and I think it's been hard to see that there... I, I can't believe that there was this fallout from that. I mean, you can say what you want about Barack Obama's policies or the fact that he stayed in Afghanistan too long or any of that business, but he, he was a good and decent person <laughs> who who did the job exceptionally well, mm-hmm. you know, because it is a job. I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. You might be. Are you are you a Trump guy? I am not a Trump guy. No. Do you see a lot of Trump kids in college? Is it, is it true what they say about about that there is a young alt right? Um, I definitely have met uh, people that are. I guess you could classify them as young alt right. For the for the most part, most people I meet uh, in college or you know in my age group, it, it, they're they're mostly Democrats. It's kind of that traditional. When you're younger, you're more democratic. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, yeah, but I'm older and I'm still more democratic. <laughs> you know, I don't see myself getting any any closer to being a Republican, particularly not in this stage. That's that's what that's what my parents but, are saying right now. That they're that they're Democrats or they're Republicans. Uh, they're getting further and further left. <laughs> my dad did that too. My dad, um, I actually, my dad sent me a selfie. He's a fairly young guy; he's fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, him at a protest <laughs> for after Trump got elected. It was one of the women's marches in New York. He lives up in New Jersey. And my dad, man, he, I think he voted for Obama, but he, you know, growing up in the 70s or whatever, you know, he started his own business in North New Jersey as a landscaper during the 80s. And I'm sure he didn't see any issue with Reagan. You know what I mean? And he felt, you know, he's always been a firm believer in the American dream. You work hard, you pay your taxes, and you get something out of this place, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you build things in America. And um, I think he was like, walls? Not building walls. Not into that. So he went, um, you know, um, I don't know if he's going to like me saying that on a podcast, but, you know. Yeah. And he's actually, t- it was funny, you know, and I'll bring this up, too, as the last closing thought on that. And living here in Tennessee, you know, I, I live in Madison, which is sort of um, right above East Nashville, and it's a very diverse neighborhood. Um but a lot of what you would, you know, consider Trump folks, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and they're not bad people. You know what I mean? They're they're people that were sold on this American dream thing, uh, feel disenfranchised, um, whether rightfully or unrightfully. It's not for me to say, mm-hmm. but I can I can empathize with, uh, you know, I can by witnessing the poverty that my part of town is in. I can um, uh, I can empathize with all poverty, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but anyhow, 
so the point I'm driving at is is that um, they kind of got duped. Mm-hmm. But my dad, who um, runs a landscaping business in North New Jersey, has a lot of you know wealthier clientele, and he sounds so um, broken hearted when he sees these like rich assholes who are like, yeah, Trump. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't imagine that sort of sense of like, um, you know, uh, how can you be someone of, uh, of any kind of means and not and buy into this just for the regulatory breaks? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What kind of soulless asshole are you, you know? Hey, I've I've seen that people like sense? that. Yeah, I've seen people like that. I understand what you're saying. Uh, but I don't experience that down here as much. You know what I mean? Uh, living in my neighborhood, I experience more of the people that you can just tell got sold snake oil. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I'm I'm conflicted about the whole thing. I mean, I I, I, I don't I don't know. Probably this probably wasn't the greatest tangent to go on. You think it'll start some sort of Twitter riot? I've never been in the middle of one of those things. I've luckily uh, evaded. Uh, me evaded either. All, uh, yeah, I've never been in the middle of one know, of those. Man. So hope maybe we can get our first one together. I don't know about that. If you you know, do you edit this thing or is this like just a uh, is this a stream of consciousness? This is what what you say is what you get. Uh, what you say is what you get mostly. Holy shit! Oh well. Uh, well, well, um. I mean, if you want me to edit that out, I can. About- well, you know, I, you know, here's the thing, man. Tell me how it uh, how it reads back if I go on some Trump rant and I sound like a complete idiot. Cut it out. I mean, I don't want to put it out there if I didn't sound like a moron. You did not sound like <laughs> yeah. a moron. I can, I can I can guarantee that one. All right. Well, then there we go. As long as you say it, say it's true, uh, I believe it. Um, I mean, it's in the title. Anything goes. So you know. Exactly. People know what they're getting. Um, I, I want to go. I okay. only only have a little bit of time left. You want to go back? We'll I, go back. I want. I want to go I'm back in. to the album real quick. Just kind of wrap this all sure. up. Um, this is your first release on this record label, Anti Records. You just got signed to them. You've had, you know, so many self-funded projects. You said earlier in the interview you're going to be excited to see your your record out there in stores now. Uh, what does it mean to you to finally have a release coming out as part of a record label? Well. Um... What does it mean? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, uh, well, I want to speak to the broader reception that I've gotten so far of the record, which is that people like it. I was very, I've been very surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I think I've made a bad record by any means, but I didn't. I was curious if the thoughts that went on in my brain uh, would relate to anybody else's. That was sort of the risk of this particular type of record. I mean, um, so the fact that a label heard that record and was like, you know what, I I believe in this. Um, let's make sure that people in Japan can buy it. I mean, there's just nothing cooler. Hmm. Um but that speaks to the overall thing of which has been my goal since I started. And probably the arc of my, my story is someone who's weathered the digits, <laughs> a folk singer in the 21st century who has weathered the digital revolution and the upheaval of modern 
society. So um, that, to me, is um, it's rad. And there's no two ways about it. And the fact I wake up every day with somebody new that's calling me on the phone asking me about my record. And I'm just every time I'm kind of blown away and I'm kind of like, what, really? Well, I'm, I'm glad that spoke to you. That means a lot because I, I write this stuff because I hope it connects. And, um, uh, so it's, uh, I'm interested to see how it all plans out and how it all plays out, but it's, it's been a, um, yeah, I moved to Nashville six years ago, living out of my car in a Walmart parking lot. And six years later, I drove to the YMCA this morning and saw my name on a billboard next to Mavis Staples. Um, it's it's pretty wild, you know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, uh, my only goal is that the songs are. I, I'm a firm believer that at least the line of work that I'm in, which I, I kind of consider being a writer, is. Um, you know, I say that in lowercase, not uppercase, um, is um, to connect. And it's the, uh, there's nothing cooler than, um, uh, than having an emotion or some sort of thought that two, two or more parties can relate to and feel similar about. And um, as long as they keep hiring me to do that job, I'll keep doing it. You know, exactly. Well, those um, that answer that question. That answers that question perfectly. Yeah, I mean that, that whole very story good, about the whole of the Mavis. I'm still getting thing. used to the phoner thing, man. It's it's weird, you know. It, it is a little odd to get used to, but uh, but I think this was definitely this is one of my favorites I've ever done. So thank you for that. Oh man, that means a lot, and uh, you know, um, I really appreciate you taking the time, and and it's it's. <laughs> And I spoke with you this afternoon. I spoke with Billboard magazine this morning. I spoke, you know, it's like it's it's weird, man, you know. But it's cool, and uh, um, I just want the, the my goal for the record is for it to be a companion piece to your bad day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. And uh, Anti's ability to help with that uh, uh, is rad, and and yours as well. Well, again, a big thank you to Darren for coming onto the podcast. Make sure to check out his brand new project, Talking Dogs and Atom Bombs. It is out right now. Go down into the description there. You'll find a link to listen to the album. as well as a link to follow Darren on social media so you can keep up to date on when he goes out on tour uh, so you can see the record live. And with that, that'll wrap it up for this episode of Anything Goes with Jackson Neal. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on your favorite platforms. New episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Visit jacksonneilpodcast.com. Link to that in the show notes. There you'll find the archived episodes to this podcast, as well as my other two podcasts, Sports and Music Discussion Podcasts, which are released throughout the week as well. If you're a really big fan of the show, maybe consider becoming a subscriber on Patreon. For just a couple dollars a month, you can get access to really, really cool bonus content from all my podcasts over there. Don't have any bonus content from this interview, but have a lot of cool bonus content from other interviews I do here on Anything Goes. I write, record, produce, do everything for these podcasts myself as a full-time college student, so any little bit of support really, really does go a long way. If you want to stay up to date on all my podcasts and everything I'm publishing, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at JacksonNeil20. 
Today's music is by Analog by Nature with their song CDK Sunday. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you all next time.